0: Wow, thank you so much for that warm welcome. Uh, for those who are looking at me a little bit strange right now, Dan Leanne, I was born in Melbourne, Australia. And that's the reason my voice is this way. Um, my mother and father are Malaysian Chinese. That's the reason my beautiful face is this way. Um, but like Reed mentioned, now I live in Anderson, South Carolina. And that's the reason I have type 2 diabetes. And... Um, <laughs> I actually really do. And uh, (laughs) I get to uh, serve at an amazing church called New Spring Church. And and we have campuses all over South Carolina. So if you're ever across the border, uh, please pop in. If you have a Sunday free, we would love to make you feel uh, like family. Uh, I love you, Pastor Reed. Um, Before I moved to South Carolina, I spent 20 years travelling around this blue rock God made talking about Jesus. Uh, I literally had a business card that says, Gospel Ninja, have sermon, will travel. And uh, so I've seen a lot around the world. My eyes are small, but they're surprisingly strong. And I have observed great leaders, great churches. I'm here to testify that in your midst you have one of the great leaders on planet Earth in Pastor Reed Moore, and he's only 36. He's got like the back of a 56 year old, but he's got the, (laughs) the soul and the strength of a 36 year old. I love you. I love what God is doing right now at Gwinnett Church. Um, But I'm so excited to see what God does in the next 20 years through your leadership here at Gwinnett Church. So how about, come on, we just encourage our pastor here this morning. And it's a good thing to honour those who are worthy of honour. Well, I'm going to keep it pretty short this morning. Is that cool? Because I got told that if I stick to time, I'm being taken out for some free Korean food. And I'm all about free food, especially free Korean food. And uh, so I'm going to uh, kind of, add like a message to the last series you've basically gone through. I understand that the Reverend Dr. Bishop Andy Stanley has led you through some conversations about being faithful, a series all about growing our faith, regrowing our faith in many ways. And it's so important that we have that conversation right now because Real Talk, all of us have been through you know, a 14, 15 month stretch that has stretched our faith. In fact, there are a lot of people right here in this room or watching in our campus or watching online who have had their faith battered like never before. And right now you've got weak faith, you've got flimsy faith, you're holding on for dear life faith. But the good news is the God who is with you never leaves you. And He understands exactly where you are and He knew that you needed this morning to have your faith, a fresh and a new stirred. And so that's my heart's hope, and my heart's prayer. That's the reason I drove two hours down 85. That's the reason I convinced my wife that my first weekend off in three months was gonna be spent in Atlanta <laughs> with you know, a couple hundred of my you know, new best friends. The reason I came is because I believe with all of my heart that God wants to build your faith this Sunday. And the way we're gonna build faith here this morning is we're going to engage in a very simple question. And the question is this, where is God when he's silent in the storm? Where is God when he's silent in the storm? All of us at some stage in our journey have been through a storm, a meteorological one, a metaphorical one. And there have been times where in the middle of a storm, you cry out to God and He moves instantaneously. Protection, provision, a sense of His presence. Right away, that storm dissipates and disappears and we give glory to God for those moments. But there are also times in this journey where the clouds gather, the storm brews, and our lives get hit. Our worlds are rocked and we turn to God and instead of him speaking loudly and clearly, we are met with uneasy silence from heaven. It's like someone bumped the mute button there. And it's important for us, dare I say, imperative for us as a faith community to wrestle with those moments because silence can be discouraging. Silence can be destructive. However, if we allow the Word of God and the Spirit of God to help us navigate these seasons of silence, this silence might actually become, for your life, the place and the space where your faith grows most. So that's what we're gonna do for about 25 minutes. We're gonna talk about where is Jesus when He's silent in our storm. And then after that, we're gonna have a conversation about where I can find the best Korean barbecue (laughs) within a 20 minute drive, is that cool? That's the game plan for this morning. Let's pray and we'll jump into this simple word. Father, Son, and Spirit, we love you, help, amen. I really want this free Korean barbecue. (laughs) I remember going through a storm uh, a couple of years ago that was met with uneasy silence. The storm came in the form of my firstborn child, Caitlin. I'm not going to lie, I went into child raising pretty confident. I was a youth communicator. She was a young person. I thought we were going to get each other. I read a book. I thought I did everything one could do to prepare themselves for the rigors of child rearing. And sure enough, for the first six months, it was relatively easy. She ate well. She slept well. She even smiled for pictures I was considering writing a book. But then something started happening after six months that didn't stop happening for two years. At 11 p.m., and then again at 1 a.m., and then again at 3 a.m., and then again at 5 a.m., my baby girl would rise up out of her slumber and begin to cry. I'm not talking about cute baby tears that make you wanna take a picture for all posterity. I'm talking about blood-curdling screams that make you want to throw holy water on her and see if something flies out. You know what I'm saying? That kind of crying. So there my wife and I found ourselves on this little black couch in our little house night after night, crying wife, crying baby, and me nearly crying but not crying because I'm a manly man, exhausted. Days turned into weeks. Weeks turned into a month. And every night we found ourselves in the exact same spot sleep deprived, exhausted, feeling like failures as parents. And the whole time Jesus was silent in our storm. there have been other seasons in our journey where we cried out to God and he moved instantaneously. Protection, provision, his presence. We felt him right away, but for some reason we went through this particular storm feeling so Alone. And I was doing everything right by the book. I turned to prayer first and foremost. I got told that prayer can move mountains, so I just assumed that prayer could silence a baby. And so I'm praying these crazy prayers. I'm doing these like theologically incorrect deals with heaven. Hey, God, I'll serve you the rest of my days for free if you just help us go to sleep one night. But night after night, it felt like our prayers were bouncing off the ceiling that we were going forward unheard and like Jesus was really quiet in our storm. You ever felt that way before? So I thought to myself, if the prayers weren't gonna do it, we're going to push it to the next level. We're gonna bring the word of God into it. You know what I'm saying? So I pull out my Bible. I find a concordance. A concordance is just a book with all these different references. Basically, if you're trying to find the word stillness, go to a concordance and it'll show you every single verse. So there we are, just claiming verses over our crying baby girl. Every verse with the word stillness, silence, peace, quiet, shut up, like every, just speaking it over our baby girl. We're rubbing the Bible on her head But night after night, silence in the storm. Silence is distressing, silence is disturbing and in our exhausted state, silence was becoming destructive. So I thought to myself, if the prayer and the word of God won't do it, I'm gonna really roll out the big guns. I'm gonna bring out some worship music. And so I've got Darlene Check. And she's singing, shout to the Lord, and I've got the Bible, and it's being read. I'm praying these prayers, but still, night after the night, no change. I thought I'd bring some preaching into it, so I turn on Christian TV. I remember Joyce Meyer is preaching. Now Darlene is singing. I'm praying these crazy prayers. I'm rubbing the Bible on her head. Still, nothing, no change, silence in the storm. And because I'm a part of a faith community, there are well-meaning segments of every faith community who will remain nameless, women, who will come forward with advice on how to get your children to go to sleep. So I had this beautiful old Chinese lady come and tell me what I needed to do was to boil some Chinese tea and pour it on her back. Well, what would happen is a black hair would grow out. I need to shave the hair and my baby girl would go to sleep. So here I am in the middle of the night and praying these crazy prayers. I'm rubbing the Bible on her head. Darlene's singing. Joyce is preaching. The kettle is boiling because that's how you get when you find yourself in the middle of a storm and it feels like God's gone quiet. And before you Caucasian people get on your child-rearing high horses, there were some pretty crazy white remedies too. I had this old lady come and tell me what I needed to do was to get my baby and wrap her tightly with some towels, put her on a washing machine and turn the washing machine on. <laughs> There's a lady actually, a third that actually works. And because the rocking motion would make my baby feel like she was in the womb again. So here I am in the middle of the night, I'm praying these crazy prayers, rubbing the Bible on her head. Darlene is singing, Joyce is preaching, the kettle is boiling, my baby's on the washing machine. Cause that's how you get when you go through a storm and it feels like God has gone uneasily quiet. You don't doubt his goodness. A bloodstained cross proves once and for all that he's good. You don't doubt his strength. An empty tomb shows us that he is ever strong. But you do ask this question in the quiet of your soul. Where is your goodness and your strength right now? Because this silence is distressing, it's disturbing, and it's becoming damaging to my faith. Now the reality is there are a lot of people here right now who don't know the pain of sleep deprivation or feeling like a failure because you can't get your baby to go to sleep. But I know for a fact that everyone in this room right now or watching online or in our campus knows exactly what it's like to go through at least a period of time where it feels like God does not move quite as quickly as you would feel comfortable. It might be that financial storm. We've all been through one in the last year and a half. The economy contracts, your business shrinks, you're holding on for dear life but over the last couple of months you've seen everything defrost again and a, and an economy kind of you know find its momentum again but you're asking this question where is my comeback in fact i'm seeing everyone around me flourish again but for me and my wife or me and my husband we've only gone backwards and we've stayed backwards You might've found yourself with your spouse this week, sitting at your dinner table, looking at some bills, wondering how you are gonna make ends meet when it feels like the ends wanna run away from one another. And you've asked this question. Jesus, I know that you're the God who has cattle on a thousand hills. Can't you just spare one? Why does it feel like you're so quiet in our financial storm? How about those family storms? They're called teenagers. Remember a couple of years ago, they were so sweet, they were so cute, they came to church, you dressed them up, it was so nice. But something happened in the last couple of years. And you're doing everything right by the book. You're checking every single box. You are raising them in such a way that they were not meant to depart from these paths. The Bible promised that, but not only are they departing, they're running away at a rate of knots and it wrecks your soul asking this question, why do my friends have teenage kids we still worship God, and they're all growing closer together, but for me, it feels like you're not listening to me. Do you not care about my teenager? Silence in the storm. How about those singleness storms? I think everyone knows that you don't need someone to complete you, that you plus Jesus is more than enough, but the reality is in any faith community, there are individuals who go through life going, you know what, I would love to find my life partner and you're doing everything right in the meantime, you're staying pure, you're staying holy, you're dating Jesus in the meantime, you're doing everything right. But last night you sat alone again. And you asked that question in the quiet of your soul. Is there something wrong with me? Jesus, why don't you see the desire of my heart? Why are you silent in my storm? How about those marriage storms? You thought that getting married would be like checking into a field full of flowers where you could frolic forever, but you just checked into World War III, baby, and you're going, wow, this is so much harder than I thought it would be. And what makes it even worse is you see your friends around you, they're flourishing in their marriage, but you're crying out to God separately, but there seems to be no path forward. God, why won't you move? Why are you silent in my storm? How about those health storms? That sickness, that ailment, that disability, that disease. You know that God is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. He is the great physician of the universe and you know that He can move in your body. In fact, you see testimonies all the time about God shrinking that cancer or causing that individual who couldn't walk to walk again. But you ask this question, I like that story, but I would love for that story to become my story. But it's like you've forgotten me. And I struggle forward. Trusting you like those people trust you, but where's my miracle? Why are you so quiet in my health storm? The fact of the matter is, if any of you do any form of journey with Jesus at some point, you're gonna find yourself asking this question that your friend Dan has asked before. I know you're good, I know you're strong, I want to grow a faith in you, but sometimes it bugs me because I don't know where you are when you're being really quiet in my storm. And the good news is you're a part of a church that just doesn't want to come together to play religious games. There's not a church where you're just coming along to do some Jesus karaoke, sit through a priestly pep talk, give someone a social distance hug or a high five on the way out and then basically next week hit repeat. No, this church is about connecting, come on, a real God with real people so they can do real life in a real world. And so we're gonna talk about these seasons and even better than that, God gives us the Word and His Spirit to help us, come on, navigate these very seasons that we've all felt before. In fact, we're feeling right now. So that our faith isn't ruined, but our faith is renovated. Our faith isn't broken down, but it's built up in the most beautiful way. So what I wanna do in my remaining 15 minutes and 14 seconds with you is I would love to turn to the Word of God and have a look at a time when Jesus went quiet in the middle of His disciples' storm. Because you've got to understand that the Bible isn't a piece of archaic literature from back in the day. The Bible is a living, breathing conversation that God wants to have with us every day. So if it's in the Bible, then it can be in our story today. So if you have Bibles, would you go with me to the book of Mark Everyone say Mark. Say Mark like an Australian, Mark. Say Mark like an American, Mark. Say Mark like a Chinaman, Mark. I taught you languages. Mark chapter four, verse 35. This is Jesus going a little quiet in his disciples' storm. The Bible says, that day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall or a massive storm came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. (sighs) The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. I love this story because I see myself in this story. I'm just a disciple trying to get from point A through to point B and stay close to Jesus. Jesus. In this day, the disciples are told by Jesus to get into a boat to go to the other side. First and foremost, we need to break this paganistic, erroneous thinking that says, that when God is speaking to you, it means that He's happy with you. If God is silent, that means He's angry with you. No, the disciples were smack bang in the middle of God's will, if you will. They were commanded to get into the boat, to go to the other side. Sometimes bad things happen to good people and it feels like God's quiet. And so here these disciples are, they're going to the other side and midway through their journey, a furious squall comes up. A storm that they've seen before, but there was something different about this storm. This was unrelenting and they thought that they were gonna lose their lives out of this storm. The whole way through this episode, Jesus is out. He is sleeping, he's dreaming, he's, he's like snoring away, seemingly disconnected to their plight, silent in their storm. The disciples wake Jesus up. He turns to the wind and the waves and says, quiet, be still, but more about that later. I wanna know where Jesus was And more specifically, where Jesus is when it feels like he's gone quiet in our storm. If you have leather-bound journals and pens, you can pull that out right now and take some notes down. An old mentor of mine used to say, a blunt pencil is more effective than a sharp mind in remembering the things that God speaks to you about. If you have an iPhone or an iPod or an iPad, you can open up the Note app right now and thank the Lord Jesus for Steve Jobs because that's a wonderful piece of technology you have right there. If you're one of those Samsung devices or Blackberries, you can put it away. I have nothing for you from this point on in the message. I just wanna make some observations out of this text. Where is Jesus when it feels like He's gone quiet in our storm? Point number one, you can write this one down. Jesus is still in your boat. Jesus is still in your boat. At the beginning of the story, it said, Jesus was there with them in the boat. If you walk away with nothing else, I hope and pray that you walk away with this, that Jesus, come on, is still in your boat. He has not left you, He has not forsaken you, He has not turned His back on you. The going has got hot, but Jesus hasn't got going. Come on, Jesus remains in your boat. The one whose name literally means Emmanuel, God with us is still in your boat. In the darkness, He's still in your boat. In the confusion, He is still in your boat. In your lack, He is still in your boat. In your heartbreak, He is still in your boat. In your betrayal, He is still in your boat. He doesn't leave, He doesn't forsake, He is still in your boat. Smile, that's really good news. Because I can't guarantee you that your season will change over anytime soon, but I can promise you, irrespective of the season, he remains in your boat. As the rain drenched the disciples, the rain drenched Jesus. As the waves tossed the disciples, the waves tossed Jesus. As the sea threatened the disciples, the sea threatened Jesus. If that boat capsized and the disciples would have to make a swim for shore, Jesus too would have capsized and would have to make a swim slash walk for shore because Jesus was still in their boat. Jesus is still in your boat. Not only is Jesus still in their boat and your boat, number two, write this one down, Jesus is still in control. Jesus is still in control. The Bible says here that throughout this entire ordeal, Jesus is asleep on a cushion. Now I can understand why some people interpret that as Jesus being nonchalant, apathetic and not caring. Jesus slept on His disciples, like how, how heartless is that? How cold is that? But you gotta understand that Jesus' love for us was proven once and for all at Calvary. That's the reason Romans chapter five and verse eight reminds us but God would demonstrate His love for us in this or prove His love in this, that whilst we're still sinners running in the other direction, Jesus would bleed and die for us. Or in other words, the love of God the caring of Jesus was proven once and for all on that bloodstained cross. So therefore, we must logically conclude that if he slept, he didn't sleep because he didn't care. He must have slept for another reason. Now I would propose to you that when Jesus is quiet, he's not quiet because he doesn't care. He's quiet because he's not stressed. And he's not stressed because he's still in control. He hasn't slipped. He hasn't lost grip. He is still in control and we know he's still in control because Colossians chapter 1 reminds us that this is Jesus y'all. He is the firstborn over all creation. That's his theological talk for he's the boss of the universe through whom everything was made, for whom everything was made, in whom everything is held together. He's literally got the whole world in his hands. Every particle, every element, every ion, everything is held together by the person of Jesus. With Jesus, everything is held together. Without Jesus, everything would discombobulate and blow apart, but because of Jesus, His power, His presence and His promise, you can know right now, whatever you are sailing through, your life will be held together because He is still in control. Where are my 80s babies at? Where are the 80s people at? Remember Sylvester Stallone back in the day? I want to educate all the young people here. You don't know who Sylvester Stallone is? A great Italian-American who dominated Hollywood for like 20 years, playing only one role in every single movie. That's him. Every single movie. There was a movie back in the day, young lady, it was called Cliffhanger. In this situation, he was playing like a, like a rock climbing instructor kind of dude, and he's like with a woman who seemed inconsequential to the rest of the plot in the opening scene. So, right away, you know what's gonna happen. This woman be falling, right? So, sure enough, boom, she falls. Sylvester grabs her and tries to calm her down. Could you imagine? Like hanging over like a hundred foot jagged, like rock edge kind of drop, and the dude be trying, you just don't understand a word he's saying. You think to yourself, there's one guy in Hollywood who has the power, the strength, you know, the the history of steroid abuse that that were literally strong enough to carry this woman to safety. It's Sylvester, but not even Sylvester could hold on. Because eventually Sylvester had to let go. And she falls, and the last thing she sees before she hits the ground is, what a way to go. Jesus doesn't slip. Jesus doesn't lose grip. I'm sure that he's ambidextrous, meaning he can use both hands equally well, but the Psalms talk of a particularly strong right hand, come on, with which he grabs hold of your life, amen, and he won't let go. He is still in control. And if the disciples paid closer attention, they would have known that right from the beginning because what did he say right there at the beginning in verse 35? Let us go over to the other side. He didn't say, hey, today's a nice day to go out into a lake to drown. He said, we're getting, come on, to the other side. he had already given them the ending to this story. And he could, because he was still in control. He hasn't lost grip on your family. He hasn't lost grip on your financial world. He hasn't lost grip on your business. He hasn't lost grip on your health. He hasn't lost grip on this nation. Come on, he is still in control. Thirdly and lastly, write this down. Not only is Jesus still in your boat, not only is he still in control, but Jesus is still up to something good. Jesus is still up to something good. I love the way this story comes to a conclusion. Disciples are freaking out on the boat. They must have conveyed, convened some kind of meeting to work out who was gonna wake up Jesus. It would have been a tense meeting because up to this point, they've seen Jesus basically commands the power of life and death. So they're not trying to mess around with Jesus right now. But they're like poking each other. They're holding on for dear life. They're going, hey, Peter, you should say something. You always be shooting off your mouth. You know, just just say something right now. And Peter goes, well, he called me Satan last week. I don't want to push it right now. Hey, Thomas, you should say something. Well, I doubt he'll listen to me. Hey, Judas, you should say something. I don't know, he always looks at me weird. You know, so, so they're having this conversation. Somehow Jesus is awakened. He turns to the wind and he turns to the waves. He says, quiet, be still, and creation is calmed. Don't miss that. Don't allow a season of silence, come on, to rob you of the revelation that our God is as strong as He has ever been and nothing in creation gets the final word. Come on, God alone gets the final word. Come on, don't allow a season of silence, of pain, of confusion to rob you of this beautiful truth that our God with a word can still the wildest storm. I just feel in my spirit, I need to take you back to Sunday school for like 30 seconds. Is that cool to stir some faith here in this room? Come on, our Jesus is just as strong as He has ever been. Come on, He's so strong, He could create the heavens and the earth in six days and still give us a day off to watch college football. Come on, this is our Jesus. He's so strong, He could bring forth the nation of Israel out of nothing but a pensioner and his barren wife. Come on, this is our Jesus. He's so strong, He could bring down the walls of Jericho with nothing but a sling and a stone. Come on, this is our Jesus. He's so strong, He can divide the Red Sea with nothing but a stick and a gust of wind. Come on, this is our Jesus. He can fell the giant Goliath. He can close the mouth of a lion. He can heal the sick, raise the dead, basically birth the church and save your crazy life. Come on, this is our Jesus. And He is as strong as He has ever been. And with a word, your story can change. But in the meantime, don't miss it. He's up to something good. And we know that because at the end of the story, He's going, why are you guys still so afraid? I'm trying to take you on a journey. And the thing I'm trying to grow more than anything in your journey is your faith. And you had an opportunity in this season of silence to see something grow that couldn't grow in any other environment. My friends, faith grows best in the dark and in the quiet. We can theologize that He is Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides, but you just wait. Do you need Him to come through? All of a sudden, He goes from a theology to the one who really provides every good thing you need. Hey, amazing grace dances so sweetly and easily on our lips. Oh, what a beautiful hymn. But you just wait till His grace cuts in and saves your bacon. It goes from a hymn you sing to Him and everything He does. My friends, don't curse God in a season of silence. Trust God and see your faith grow. Can someone give me a good amen to that? Faith grows best in those environments. So simply my heart's hope, my heart's prayer is this, that in this season, over the last four weeks and even here today, you will be reminded that God is even more interested than you are in your faith. And He wants to give you all the equipment, every tool, every truth required to see you build, come on, an overcoming faith. And it will grow, especially when it feels like He's quiet. As you remember, He is still in your boat. He is still in control. Come on, and He's still up to something good. Come on, pop quiz, let's do it together. He is still in your boat. He is still in control. Come on, and He is still up to something good. I wish I could wrap up this message neatly with a cool miracle story. A fun little miracle story on how my baby girl went to sleep. I wish I could tell you that I was there praying one night and claiming scriptures, and then an angel tore open our roof, came into our living room, and basically put a coal in my daughter's mouth and said that you're gonna preach the gospel around the nations. That's why you cannot be silent. That didn't happen. My baby girl went to sleep after two years because she got really tired. But fear not, my wife and I were smart enough to make another one to pick up where his sister left off. So here we are again, crying wife, crying baby boy, and me nearly crying but still not crying because I'm a manly man. But this time there's a difference. This time there's a confidence. This time there's a faith. I remember one night, my wife is exhausted but still stunning and she looks at me in the middle of the night. She goes, babe, we're going to be okay because Jesus is still in our boat. And I told her, babe, you're right. And I already knew that because I taught you that. Okay, maybe the story didn't happen that way. But I want my Gwinnett family. When you find yourself one night aching in the silence, I hope and pray that the Holy Spirit's voice with a cool Australian twang would remind you, he's still in your boat, he's still in control, and he's still up to something good. Can someone say a good amen to that? As we wrap up our time. God, you can just praise God for that. Come on. (laughs) We're gonna wrap up our time. I've already blown my free Korean, so we may as well go into O time. Um, I wanna finish off today by just doing two simple things really quickly. Number one, there are some people who, over the last 35 minutes, you've just been thinking to yourself. Um, number one, wow, he speaks great English. Number two, you're thinking, wow, I wonder what he does for a workout routine. Number three, you've been wondering what it would look like to have Jesus in your boat. Because right here, right now, you don't. I'm here to let you know that's all Christianity really is. Christianity is not the following of rules and regulations. It's not about jumping through religious hoops or clearing legalistic bars. It's about recognising that God loves you and comes to find you exactly where you are. So he's knocking at your heart's door right now. And if you would open up, he would enter in. And He'll be your Lord, your Saviour, your Captain in your journey. Leading you to life eternal, but that life to the full begins today. See, if you're sitting there right now and you feel like over the last 36 minutes, God's been talking to you and your heart is racing and your palms are a little bit sweaty and you're kind of going, is this what it feels like to have the God of the universe trying to get through to me, I'm here to let you know, friend, the answer is yes, yes, a million times yes. That's what it feels like. So I wanted to simply pray with someone here in this room. We had a whole bunch of people in the first service do this, but only if there is one in this room, this whole service was absolutely worth it. So if you'll hear this afternoon and you're saying I don't have Jesus as the captain and the leader of my boat I've heard about him I was brought up in a family that talked about him but I haven't personally made him my captain would you allow me to lead you in a prayer that heaven will hear and will change everything so with every eye closed and every heart opened, if that's you here this afternoon, you're saying, "I want to make Jesus the captain of my boat, now and forever. When I count to three, just slip your hand up high, give me a wave, I'll acknowledge it, and you can put it back down. So when I count to three, if you want to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, lift your hand high in the sky. Are you ready? One, two, three. Lift it high. I see your hand, I see your hand. Hands just going up everywhere. Hands everywhere, hands everywhere. Just keep them, keep, keep them lifted. Give me a little wave. Give me a little wave where you are. Amazing. You can put it down again. I'm gonna pray a prayer. I'm gonna invite everyone to pray it out loud with me, especially if you lifted your hand. Let's do it all together, Gwynette. Come on. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for your love. I invite you to be the king of my heart. Help me by your spirit. Live now for your glory. Amen. Can you put your hands together for all the people who lifted theirs? Wow. At the end of this gathering, I'm going to be milling around the front here. I had COVID in December. I still have antibodies and I've been vaccinated. So I'm like clean. I would love to connect with you. If you lift your hand, give you a fist bump, give you an appropriate side hug. I would love to celebrate with you. We're pumped about your jump, but we're committed to your journey. So we would love to not only pray for you, but connect you with some pastors and leaders here. Is that cool? All right. For the rest of you, um, I just wanna take a few seconds to pray for someone right now who feels like they've gone through a season of silence. And it's hurt them. Or they're going through one of those seasons right now. And the Bible tells us that God opposes the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. So if you were be humble enough to say, you know what, Dan, that's me. Would you allow me to knit faith with you and see the grace of heaven, come on, flow into your life? And I wanna see protection and provision and a breakthrough and all that kind of stuff. But most of all, I want you to know Him in your boat like never before, come on, this week. So with every eye open and every head raised and everyone looking around in a judgmental way. (laughs) If that's you, you're saying, you know what, Dan? I've been through or I'm going through one of those seasons. Would you just lift your hand high in the sky right now? Just lift it now, go. Jesus, these hands are lifted as an act of humility, promise maker, keep it. Add grace to their journey. Your presence, your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Gwinnett Church, I love you. We're family now. Any church that I basically blow right through the preaching counter with, I'm family with now forever. And I wanna encourage you. There are beautiful days ahead. God is going to stir levels of creativity, levels of influence, levels of impact, that this church has never, ever tasted. There are literally thousands of people in this Gwinnett region who need the living gospel. And God is gonna use this church and many other churches, come on, to bring it. But just make sure that as big as you grow, as much noise as you make. As well known as your pastors become, That this beautiful gospel message of a God who loves us so much that He would send His Son Jesus to be with us always remains as the centre point to which you return. May it be like a campfire you always find yourself warming by. And by the grace of God, may many thousands of people in this region find space around that campfire as well. God bless.